Thank you, ladies. Beautifully done. All right, let's take our Bibles this morning and open to the book of Philippians. Once again, it's a a great book in the Bible. Last week, or should I say last year, (laughs) we were in Philippians 4, verse 13. And so today we're going to be in chapter chapter 3, Philippians 3, verse 14. Actually, going to read 13 and 14. <clears throat> you, could, you could really uh, zoom out a little and read a few more verses, but I just want to hone in on these for this morning and be focused on our text <clears throat> and the thought for the, for the day and for the week and actually being the first Sunday of the year, our, our thought for the year. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Once you've found that, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. We'll open in prayer and then read those two verses together. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, as we stand at the threshold of a new year, Lord, as we routinely do, we glance back enough to say thank you, Lord, for being so good, for crowning the previous year with your goodness the way you care for us and provide, the way you guide us. Lord, we just see so many things as we look back, how how you've uh, done all things well, and we thank you for it. Now, Lord, as we look forward, we also look to you, and we ask you to lead and guide us by your Spirit. We pray that you'd use this text this morning to challenge and encourage us, to help us, to guide us on our way. Lord, you said your word was like a light to our path. In our steps. And so we pray today <clears throat> that you'd show us what steps to take. <clears throat> we ask, dear Spirit of God, that you'd be our teacher and guide, that you'll apply this truth to our lives and help us, show us what you'd have us do. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. <clears throat> thank you. Maybe, well, we're going to read together and then you can be seated. Philippians chapter 3, a very powerful passage. Look at these two verses with me. Verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's look at verse 14 again. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I want to preach a message this morning on this thought. Reach for the prize. Reach for the prize. Paul the Apostle lived an amazing life. He was one of zeal and character, power and influence. He is one of those that endured great toil, suffering, and hardship for the name of Jesus. If we had to give out one uh, basic characteristic of his life, I I think the word for me at least, tenacity comes to mind. I I know he was a man of faith and and valor and all of those things, but but he just seemed to have that tenacious spirit. He he seemed to, to just get a hold of the will of God and pursue that. Come what may, no, no matter what challenge he faced, no matter what hardship, no, no matter what difficulty, uh, he never gave up, he never relented. 
He was always working towards accomplishing what God gave him to do. His whole life is a testament to that. And here we find out why. He says he's pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is the prize? The prize is what God calls you to do. Paul was called to be an apostle. He was sent to be what we would call a missionary, planting churches all over the known world in his day. And he gave us some good advice as he wrote these words, encouraging us also to reach for the prize. In all of the things that happened to Paul in his life, notice what he said. He said, this one thing I do. This one thing. Now, it sounded like as we read the verses, there are many things. Well, there are many things to consider. But in his mind, this was one sweeping motion. It had some components to it. But he said, all in all, I'm doing this one thing. I'm reaching for the prize. I think this is a great time of year for us to remember that this is what God wants us to do also, to reach for the prize. What has God called you to do? You know, the highest calling of God for your life is to accomplish His will in it. Whatever God wants you to do, that's, that's the highest calling for you. To reach your full potential, to be what God wants you to be, to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish in this life. Paul said, I'm reaching for that, I'm pressing for that. And he did. Reach for the prize. Notice what he considered in order to do this. I believe, first of all, reaching for the prize means, as Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. Paul first had to consider this matter of forgiveness. You know, as we look back over the the previous year, last week I gave us some questions to consider. Last week was the last week of the year, and, and I always refer to that as inventory week. Let's take a little tally. Let's see how we've done and in order to learn how we can do better, right? So now we're at the first week of the new year. We have those extracted lessons that we took from evaluating our past year, and that should put us in a good, uh, a good standing to take off in the new year and to be able to approach those areas with renewed vigor and understanding. But look at Paul. If he looked back, what would he see? Paul is the guy who thought he was doing God's work. When he was going in and disrupting churches and persecuting Christians, killing many of them, he thought he was doing God's service. Can you imagine the shock? Can you imagine the awe as as he journeyed on the Damascus road and that light shined round about him from heaven and Jesus said, I am Jesus who you persecute. Wow, persecute. He thought he was serving God, not persecuting God. But by persecuting God's people, the church, he was persecuting God. By the way, off just a little side note there. You know, that's really how it works in the Christian life. The way we serve others is the way we serve God. And how we treat people is how we treat God. In the scriptures, Jesus is going to ask one day, He's going he's gonna to commend some. He's going to say, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was alone, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And they're going to say, when did we do that? 
And he said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren. Hey, there's something that you ought to mark down, and that is God takes personally how we treat believers. And that's true whether you're saved or lost. How you treat others, especially those who are believers, that's how you're treating God. God takes that personally. He's going to take up their cause. That's why James said, you can't say I love God and hate your brother. Not possible. Powerful lessons. No doubt as Paul looked back on how he had treated the brethren, how he had treated men of the faith, women of the faith, possibly children, this persecutor of the church, No doubt, Paul had to learn to forgive himself as God had forgiven him for those things. One of the questions last week that we were going to ask, looking back on this previous year, is what did I do that I shouldn't have done? And and maybe you have far too many answers for that question. Maybe the list is a little longer than what you'd like for it to be. Things I shouldn't have done. Maybe not all sinful things, just just things that are regrettable. You know, look, we can beat ourselves all year long over what we did last year. Guess what that's going to do? Not much good. So what do we do? We extract the lesson from that. We take what we learned from falling and failing, and we get back up. The Bible says it's the just man who falleth seven times, but what happens? He riseth up again. He may fall seven times, but he gets back up eight. And that's what we have to do. That's where we are. We're at that point of it's time to get up. Dust yourself off. Get back on. Get back in the game for Jesus. We've got a new year, a new opportunity. It's time to forget some things. In order to forget, we we may very well have to forgive. You know what forgiveness is? It's letting go. Letting go. And we may have to let go of some things that that we've done ourselves. We may have to get forgiveness. It it, it may mean that we have to go to somebody and say, you know, hey, I, I need to apologize for some things I've said, some things I've done. I need to make this right. It's a burden on my heart as I enter the new year. You know, I want to do better. And looking back, I'm sorry for some of the things I see behind me. We may have to get forgiveness. You know, the Bible says when you come to the, come to the altar and you know your brother hath ought against you, what does the Bible say? Leave your gift and go get that right with your brother. If you have offended people and, and you have mistreated them and, and you have caused the wrong, the Bible says it's, it's on your part then to go get forgiveness. Go get, get it right. Amen? But not only getting forgiveness, we may have to give some forgiveness. There may be some others who who caused an issue with us. There may be some others who hurt us or who offended us. And and you know what I've learned? That hurt, that pain, that trauma that they inflicted on you, you're carrying all of that. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's a lot of baggage to carry into the new year. And you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us as believers that we can run our race for Jesus a whole lot better when we lay aside the weights, not the sins, the weights. You know what the weights are? That's extra baggage. That's the things that slow you down. Weights are things that athletes use in training 
so that they, they are lighter in the actual race. They, they, they take on, they add weights when they're preparing for the race because they're, it's a strength training exercise. They're building up their strength so that when the real race comes, they take all that stuff off and they feel light as a feather because they've trained and they've strengthened for this and they're able to do a whole lot better running free. Well, look, let's understand how that works. And in the Christian life, what do we need to do? Cast aside the weights, the burdens, the things that are going to weigh you down, slow you down, bog you down, those burdens that others have dumped on you. Hey, you know what? Don't carry that. All it's going to do is hinder you. All it's going to do is slow you down. All it's going to do is incapacitate you. It's going to hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. And by the way, don't you think the devil knows that? You know, we have, a, we have a loving Savior, but we also have an enemy. We have an enemy that knows exactly how to, how to hinder us and how to slow us and how to stop us. He knows exactly what to do. And I was saying to somebody this week, you know, is it easier to build something up or is it easier to, to just tear it down? Well, it's easy to tear down. Well, the devil's job's a whole lot easier than ours. Is it easier to, 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 to win a race on a bicycle, or is it easier to just put a stick in someone's spokes, poop, and trip them up and make them fall? Well, it's just easier to make somebody fall. So don't you think the devil knows that if he can get someone to offend you, and if that can cause you to carry this monstrosity of a burden, that you can't run your race well? And don't you think that might be the reason why that happened in the first place? Just so he could bog you down? And the best thing you could do for Jesus is to get rid of that load. Just forgive that person. And you know, you don't always have to go to that person and say, I forgive you. They might not even be ready to hear that. And if they haven't repented, then I submit they're not ready to hear that. But you, in your own heart, let it go. Put that weight off so that you can run freely the race that God has before you and do His will, unencumbered by all of those things. Isn't that good? Be sure to extract the lessons you learned from those experiences. You may never forget the experience, but you can forgive the pain. You can lighten the load so that you can move on. And do what God wants you to do. Forgive in order to forget. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like that. Faithful and just. You know what that means? Every time. That also means, I like the word all, all unrighteousness. You know, hey, listen. You may be beating yourself up thinking, I did something so horrible. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm just a failure. Look, God, he forgave that. Just confess it and forsake it and move on. Let God forgive you and then you forgive you so that you can move forward in your life. In order to reach forward, sometimes we have to forget. Number two, in order to reach forward... Paul said, reaching forth unto those things which are before. 
Reaching forward means looking on, looking ahead. The first one speaks of forgiveness, forgetting those things. But I believe this part speaks of opportunity. Now he's not talking about looking back. And by the way, did you notice he didn't look back very long? The same thing's true when you're driving. You're moving forward, right? You can't afford to be looking back in the rearview mirror very long. You glance there and then you look forward. And we have to do the same thing in life. We do glance backward on occasion so we can learn some things. But then we look forward, and that's what he says. I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. What is that? That's opportunities. Hey, can I share with you that no one, no one packaged opportunity and handed it to Paul. Paul went out and found his opportunities. Because he looked with vision, it allowed him to see where the opportunities were living. And he went to them. You know, many times in life, you have to do that. I have to do that. Many times in life, uh, we have to discover opportunities and we have to go get it. I I like what Brother Roloff said one time. He said, God feeds the birds, but they still got to get out and scratch for it. They got to go find it. He doesn't drop it in their lap and he doesn't drop it in ours. Isn't that right? So we have to work. We have to do our part. And God leads us as we go. Opportunity. What are those things that Paul's reaching for? Those things. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. Well, you know what we call them? We call them goals. Goals. Goals are the steps that take us to the destination that God's called us to. Goals. Do you have goals? I said to someone this past week, what do you want to accomplish in the coming year? I could tell that I took them off guard. They weren't prepared to answer that question. And this person just said, I don't know. But I noticed that I got them thinking. (laughs) Because a few minutes later, they started naming some things. I want to do this. I want to do that. Good, good, good. I'm like, hey, all right, that's good. What did I do? Maybe I jump-started them a little bit. That's good, right? Help along the way. Hey, let me ask you this morning. What do you want to accomplish in the coming year? What are your goals? Why is that important? Because Paul said, I'm reaching forth to those things. Guess what? If you can't see what those things are, if you don't know what they are, you're not going to be reaching. And there's a lot of Christians that aren't reaching forward in anything. They're just floating along. And we go through one year after another, one week after another, one month after another, one year after another, and we're just floating along. And it seems like those are the same people that complain about all their circumstances. Like, what what are you unhappy for? You drifted right into that. If you don't want to drift into stuff, then sit up and and get a hold of the motor and start steering that boat. (laughs) Amen? Look ahead, find the opportunities, and, and, and take some direction in your life. And that's what we need to do. This is a perfect opportunity first week of the year to set some goals i'm not talking about new year's resolutions or you can call them that if you want to but we ought to set goals and we shouldn't just have goals in january we should have goals in february march april may june july august december all throughout the year we should be reaching forth reaching forth reaching forth you say what happens if you don't reach your goals in 2022 
then you keep reaching in 2023. What happens if you didn't finish all your Bible reading for 2021? You keep reading in 2022, right? Keep going, keep reaching. Because one day you're going to check that box. You're going to say, man, I did it. Hey, I'm telling you, it's an encouraging thing. When you accomplish something that seems a little bigger than you are, what does that do for your faith? What does that do for your confidence What does that do for your Christian life? What does that do for your personal growth when you set those goals and you can realize that you're able to check them off one by one? Oh, I'm going to submit to you this morning, it does much to propel you forward. So Paul, I believe, set goals. I think that's what he was reaching forth. If you ask Paul in any given moment, Paul, what are you going to do next? I think he would have an answer, maybe two or three answers. Well, I'm going to do this and this and this. How about you? If you're setting goals, make sure you're setting smart goals. I don't know who originated this, but I've run across it two or three times. They take the word smart and use it as an acronym. It describes what kind of goal you need to have. The letter S stands for the word specific. If you're going to set a goal, it needs to be a specific goal. Don't just say, I want to do better this year. What in the world is that? (laughs) How do you know if you do better? (laughs) That's kind of a feeling thing. No, 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 no. Specific. Hey, how about you say, I want to do better in my Bible reading this year. Okay, that's a specific goal. I want to do better in my witnessing this year. Okay, good, good. Get specific. Number two, the word M, the letter M, is the word measurable. Measurable. So if you're going to set a goal to do better in your Bible reading, how do you measure that? Well, it's better if you say, I'm going to read a portion every day. Or I'm going to read a chapter a day. Right? Or I'm going to read through the New Testament this year. Or, hey, I've got me a Bible reading schedule. I'm going to go through the whole Bible this year. And you've got a daily chart. A lot of those Bible reading schedules will give you days to read, and then they give you a a few times, they'll give you like a day off. That's good, because if you get behind, you can use that day to catch up. How many of you know you're going to need to catch up once in a while, right? It's just harder than it seems. The letter A is for the word attainable. Is this goal attainable? In other words, can you accomplish this? Is it possible? Don't say, I'm going to go to the moon this year. Not unless you're real close to Elon Musk, okay? (laughs) Is it attainable? Can you do it? How about this? Is it realistic? Those kind of go together, but is it realistic? And then the letter T, is it time-bound? It should be. When you set a goal, give it a time. Now, obviously, we're looking ahead for the year, and some of your goals are going to be things you want to accomplish this year. But guess what? Most of the time, we set a goal, like, for example, I want to do better in my Bible reading. If we set a goal, then we need to break that up into actionable steps. Steps that we can take to help us get there. Like reading a chapter every day. Okay, that's something that you can, you can measure and you can see every day. Or, or having a Bible reading schedule that you can mark off. I read this portion, that portion. And so it's time bound then. You know you're going to do it. So you have a daily time 
timeline. You have a monthly timeline. You have a, a yearly timeline. The first thing you need to do is set goals, set smart goals. Number two, if you're going to be reaching forward to those things, you need to create systems. We call them routines. So for the person who says, boy, I tell you what, in 2022, I'm going to go to church every Sunday. Man, that's great. Good. You might need to buy an alarm clock. Right? How many will be honest and say sometimes it's hard to wake up on Sunday morning? <laughs> right? Okay. Many of us are there. I see hands going up. Right? Hard to wake up on Sunday morning. Okay, you might need some help. Okay, guess what? You might need a routine. It might help you if you go to bed on time Saturday night. That might be a good thing to do. That's a routine, right? Go to bed on time Saturday. Hey, it might even help if you lay out your clothes before you go to bed. This is what I'm wearing to church tomorrow. Get all that done and go to bed on time. Set your alarm. And then Sunday morning, guess what? You get up and your clothes are already ready, right? And you get your coffee or breakfast or whatever and you, you have a little routine you go through and you get dressed and ready and you leave and you're, and hey, guess what? I made it to church. But it's the routine that helped you make it that helped you get there. So not only do you need to have goals, you need to have systems that support those goals. If you're going to do Bible reading, then you need to have that schedule, that, that, uh, that, that list to check off, right? Something that I can use as a routine. Guess what? If you're going to read your Bible and, you're going to, and that's your area, then you need a routine. Guess what? You might need a quiet place to read. You might need the Bible app on your phone to accomplish that. Maybe you need to hit the play button as you're commuting to work every morning and let the app read it to you. Or maybe you just like to, to, to sit in a quiet place at home and hold your Bible in your lap and hit play and let it read to you while you follow along in the words on the page. That's a good idea. You might want to have a notebook and maybe a pen ready in case God speaks to your heart. You can write down some thoughts so that you take more away from your Bible reading time than you would if you didn't write anything down. These are systems, routines. These are things that help us accomplish our goals. You know what amazes me? Sometimes we fail over and over and over and over, and we never really stop to realize the reason why we failed is because we didn't, we didn't set goals or we didn't have smart goals. And we didn't create systems to support those goals. We didn't break it up into little steps we can take. You know, sometimes what we do is we see where we're at and we see where we want to be. But we don't do the work in between. We don't build the stairs that help us get there. It's really more like a hill than it is like a staircase. And we go up a little ways and we slide back. And we go up a little ways and we slide back down. And we can't figure out how come I never can get there. It's because you don't have steps. And those steps would help you get there one by one. But we don't take the time to build them. And every year about this time, we find ourselves at the bottom looking up saying, oh, one day I'm going to get there. If you keep doing it that way, somebody's going to have to put a rocket on your back to get there. Right? We need steps. Create systems. Now, we need to stay focused and be consistent and all that, but I think my third point might need to be this. Find a partner. 
You know, sometimes we set goals, we make them specific, we build the steps, we create the routine. All of that's in place. We just don't do it. And sometimes the reason we don't follow through on all that is because we're doing it alone. And maybe what you really need this year is somebody to challenge you and encourage you, somebody to do it with you. Why don't you find a Christian friend and say, hey, look, I'm going to try to read my Bible through this year, and I've got this new schedule right here, and hey, could we just, could we do that together? I know you like to read your Bible, and we'll just touch base, like maybe, maybe once a week, maybe on Saturday morning, we'll just have coffee and call each other or meet somewhere, and we'll just talk about our Bible reading, what we got that week, how it went. Hey, it might be fun. We started a Bible reading campaign in one of the former churches where I used to pastor. And at first, people were a little sluggish, a little hesitant about it. Oh, they took the Bible reading schedules, but it was kind of a ho-hum thing, and there wasn't a lot of excitement. They were just kind of, they were supporting their pastor, though, and they were kind of going through the motions of it. But about two or three months in, the lights began to come on, and people began to get excited about it. And one couple said, hey, you know, we really like this thing about reading our Bible together, and you know, we, we, we really like this thing about having a schedule. I said, really? That's great. I said, well, tell me about it. What's, what's so good? And they said, well, you know, for the first time, we're, we as a couple, we're actually reading the same passages. And so we just find ourselves often talking about it and talking about how, what we learned and how God spoke to our heart. And that's so fun. Bible reading's never been so fun. I thought, isn't that good? That's just like God, isn't it? He just makes it good. And why, why can't serving God be fun? It should be fun. So whether it's witnessing or Bible reading or, or whatever it is, why don't you find somebody to partner with you and say, hey, let's do this together. Hey, let's work on this. And uh, that may surprise you. Maybe that's what you've been missing. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. He said, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Here it is. Here's the one thing he was doing. He said, I press toward the mark. I press toward the mark. But if you're going to press, you've got to do the forgetting and you've got to do the reaching. When we press toward the mark, we're reaching for what God has. This is the mark we're talking about. It's the calling of God on our lives. It's, it's the thing that God has given us passion to do. And when we do that, we need to expect to conquer. I wrote down Romans 8, 37. You know, the Bible says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You, you know, we, we can conquer that Bible reading schedule. You can conquer that alarm clock. You, you can get up and go to church on Sunday. Amen? We can do those things, just like we talked about last week, because the Lord has made us conquerors. We can press on. Notice Paul said, I press toward the mark. If anybody knew how to push and how to press, it was Paul. Boy, he just pushed through everything he went through, and it's so amazing when we see that. You know, we need to comfort ourselves and remind ourselves that, hey, we don't have near the opposition he had. And if he could push through all that, then certainly we can, right? Paul was a man just like us. He wasn't superhuman, but God enabled him to get through. He will do the same for us. And I wrote this, you know, as I said a moment ago, God's work can be fun. It ought to be fun. 
So let's be cheerful as we do it. Let's learn to do it with a smile, right? Let me show you a verse. Look at John chapter 16 with me. And we'll, we'll close with this. John chapter 16. I think this is uh, fitting. Look at verse 33. Jesus said to his disciples, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Do you see what Jesus said to the disciples? He said, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Where I went to Bible college to learn ministry, it was a high-pressure, high-stress kind of environment. The leader there was kind of like a workaholic. He was very zealous for the Lord and very serious about getting it done yesterday. I mean, they encouraged, like, you know, very little sleep and working all the time and all that kind of stuff. At first, it was kind of admiring to see that. What enthusiasm, what zeal for the Lord. After a while, I realized, well, there's nothing spiritual about all that. God wants a living sacrifice, not a dead one, right? We, <laughs> we're killing ourselves. Hold on here. And because I was trained in that environment, I, I, I once went to a conference where they provided some training for Christian workers. And I noticed right away the environment was totally different in this ministry. I noticed that the, the preacher and the people on the platform, they got up and greeted everyone with a smile. And I noticed that they said sometimes even hard things in a pleasant way. And when they referred to others, even, even those that would be outside of the realm of our beliefs and practices, they didn't refer to them as the devil. They referred to them as friends. Constituents, right? I mean, it was a, it was a pleasant reference, not a condemning one, not a demeaning one. I picked up on that immediately. And I thought, how refreshing is that? Hey, you know what? We can be Christians and we can believe the Bible and be conservative and fundamental and all that and still be nice. <laughs> wow, what a thought. Hey, we can do that and still love people. That's because we serve a good God who loved us when we were unlovely. And we just need to remember that when we're sharing that love with others, right? We meet them before they met him, and they might look a little unlovely too. Love them anyway, and smile, and talk about Jesus, and share God's word, and be cheerful. Why? Because we're going to do like Jesus. We're thinking of the prize, right? We're not thinking of all the problems we got to go through to get there. Get your mind off of that and think about the prize. You know, the Bible says that Jesus endured the cross, right? Because he saw beyond that to the prize. What was the prize? The book of Hebrews tells us it was the salvation of humanity. 
It was the shedding of his blood on the cross, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus saw what was coming beyond the cross, and the Bible says he endured the cross for that reason. And you know what? The three years he walked around with the disciples, it wasn't gloom and doom. He wasn't kicking rocks. He was blessing people and healing people and having a great time. They were rejoicing. And one day the Pharisees came up, the disciples of John, they're asking, how come your disciples aren't fasting? And he said, can you fast when you have the bridegroom? He said, oh, their day's coming, but right now, this is a happy time. Wow. You know what? When we're, when we're in the presence of Jesus, not just in our prayer closet, but we're in, we're in the presence of Jesus, that's a happy place. And I believe we need to let others see some of that. Isn't it interesting that even though he told the disciples, look, you're going to have some tribulation. It's going to get hard. The world's not going to like you. But he said, be of good cheer in the middle of all that. He said, it's all right, because I've overcome all that. Hey, guess what? One day the whole world's going to stand before God, and they're all going to realize that you were right. They're going to know that we are on the winning side. They're going to see whose team we've been on and playing for all these years. And it's going to be good. You're not even going to have to turn around and say, I told you so. <laughs> oh, they're going to get it. Isn't that something? So don't worry about all that. The Bible says, vengeance is mine. Saith the Lord, that belongs to him. Let God settle the score and take care of all that stuff. God just wants us to be happily serving him as we go forward. Let's reach for the prize. Hey, church, 2022 is before us. Here we go. Look, ready or not, here we go, right? So we, we might as well just go into it ready. If you're not ready, let's get ready. Take this week and get ready. And let's see. Let's just see what we can do for God this year. Amen? Let's see it through a smile and serve God with joy in 2022. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for your goodness. Lord, the Bible says that it's the goodness of God. His gentleness hath made me great. Lord, I pray you just reach through us to do great things this year. Help us to serve with joy and gladness because we know the Savior. Help us to just be excited about what we're doing because we know in the end we win. Lord, because we know you do all things well. You're our guide, our provider, our, our, our protector. You're our priest, Lord. You teach us, you speak to us, you guide us, you lead us. We're just looking to you now in the beginning of this year and asking you to take us forward. Help us as we plan and prepare, as we set goals. Lord, as we take steps in the coming days and weeks, we just ask you, Lord, to, to help us, to move us forward, to give us the, the, the energy, the sweetness, the cheer, the compassion, all of the things that we need, Lord, to, to do what we need to do, to, to serve you well, to represent you well, so that others might see these good things and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. They would just scratch their head and say, there's something different about them. Lord, it's you, and we thank you for it. Help us now as we reach forth to those things which are before as we reach for the prize 
In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.